0: Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at HopeHogusville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For a child will be born to us... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And if you would, turn over with me to Matthew, excuse me, not Matthew, John chapter 6, starting in verse 26. <clears throat> Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you. Seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. This morning I'd like to take some time to... uh, focus a little bit on the name of Jesus, uh, the name Eternal Father. In Isaiah chapter 9, he, uh, the child that was to be born in Bethlehem as the light of the world sent into the darkness of this world, that child was given four names. Uh, he was called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. And uh, we are lighting candles each week as a symbol for Advent, meaning, um, uh, Advent meaning arrival. We are awaiting the arrival of the Messiah, which we celebrate on uh, December 25th as the birthday of Jesus. We don't ne- necessarily know that's when Jesus was born. It's just the date that we've chosen to celebrate every year, um, the birthday of Jesus. And uh, we celebrate this season of Advent. we've already... Um, uh, w- lighted three candles, uh, one for him being the wonderful counselor, one being the mighty God, and one being the eternal Father. And today I'd like to focus a little bit on that word, eternal Father, and what that means. Um, when we study uh, Jesus as, uh, as the incarnate Son of God, the, the God-man, God himself who had become flesh to dwell among us, we know that he is fully God, but he is also fully man. Something to note as we begin to study this phrase, eternal father, is first of all, Jesus is not the father. The father is not the son, and the father is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the father, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the father, and the Holy Spirit is not the son, but they are all one. They are co-equal in glory and co-equal in honor, and they, um, they, are, they, are, they are individual, but yet one, not three gods, one God. So why is he called the Eternal Father? And I believe, as I've kind of looked into this and studied it, I've, I think I've come to understand that the, uh, the best understanding of that phrase, Eternal Father, is to see it in light of the fact that he is the Father of Eternity. He is the one who holds eternity in his hands. He is from all eternity and lives for all of eternity and holds all of eternity in his hand. And time that we understand is a creation of God. Time, this understanding of beginning and ending, this understanding of a linear uh, timeline, that the experience that we have in this world is a creation of of God, And all of it is in his hands. He is outside of time. He is the beginning. He is at the end. When he was at the beginning before the foundations of the world, he was also at the end when all things are are made new again. So for us, we experience this in a linear fashion, but God is not linear. He is eternal. And Jesus holds all of that in his hands. But as we focus on this this morning and uh, considering that the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, is to be celebrated as the coming of our Savior. He He is the Emmanuel, God with us, but he is also our wonderful counselor. He is also the mighty God who lords over our lives. But he is also our eternal father, the father of eternity, the one that holds not only his eternity in his hands, he holds our eternity in his hands. If there is any hope of an eternal life, it exists only in a relationship with Jesus, who is our savior. So we're going to kind of take a look at that. And that's why I wanted to go to John chapter six today, because we read this really unique story that uh, Jesus Uh, where Jesus was having this encounter with his disciples and with the people that were following him around, the crowds that were following Jesus, because Jesus was doing great things. And uh, in this story, uh, there's a lot that is said about bread. And I think when you read through scripture, you realize that bread comes to symbolize uh, the eternal provision of God. The daily bread, as we just sang in one of these songs that we sang this morning, the daily bread of God uh, that's given to us, not just a physical provision every day in life, but an eternal provision. So the bread that we um, that we that we eat or that God gives to us on a daily basis is a symbol of the eternal daily bread that God provides to us in the blood and the body of Jesus Christ our savior. So Jesus being our eternal father is symbolized by a daily provision of the essentials not just for a physical life but beyond that to an eternal life. What is essential for you and I to live an eternal life, not just a good physical life. We need bread and water for a to survive in a physical life, but we need something much more than that for eternal life. We need forgiveness. We need righteousness. We need justice. We need our we need to be made right. We need to be forgiven, and that can only be accomplished through the blood, through blood. Jesus says there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And that's why he came, so that he could die on the cross and shed his blood, so that his body could be broken, so that his body and his blood could be our daily provision for eternal life. So let's look at that unfold in this little story here. Um, Just a little recap. Uh, Jesus had just recently um, fed 5,000 people. All the crowds were listening to him preach, and then they became hungry, and there was a boy that had some loaves of bread and some fish, and Jesus broke the bread, and, and uh, they, the disciples and, and Christ, they divided the, those pieces of food up and fed 5,000 people with just a few fish and just a few loaves of bread which was a wonderful miracle. It was a sign. It was evidence that Jesus is more than just a good cook. All right, He's more than just somebody who can make a good meal. There's a sign there that there's something bigger at play. There is something mighty at play in Jesus, not just in his ability to feed a crowd of 5,000 people, but in his his, his ability to make more out of very little. Essentially, it is to make something out of nothing, really. It is a miracle. Uh, it's a testimony that God himself is in the man who was doing this great miracle, and uh, he, that Jesus is God. It was a testimony of Jesus being God. So the people saw this, and they were marveling at him, and, uh, but then people were becoming angry, of course, as they always do, that uh, Jesus was changing the world, and upsetting the religious circumstances of the day. And so Jesus went away to the mountain to pray, and the people kind of went their own way. And the disciples, they went out fishing, or they went out to, well, they went to cross the, um, the Sea of Galilee, and uh, they were um, on a boat. And uh, you remember the story where the waves came up, and, and then Jesus came and walked out under the water. And they had that encounter on the water in the boat and then they came to the other side and then the people they found him again there on the other side and and uh, as uh, Jesus were seeing all these people they they were looking for him coming to find him so it wasn't just his disciples it was probably hundreds maybe even thousands of people gathered around saying hey we want more of that bread and fish you know um, they were hungry and Uh, This that's where our story picks up this morning says Jesus answered them and said truly truly I say to you you seek me not because you saw signs and because you ate of the loaves and were filled do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to eternal life so they were seeking him because. They wanted him to do another miracle. They wanted him to provide more food, more loaves of bread or more fish or maybe to heal their sicknesses or their diseases or to do something, other, something else miraculous in their life. And Jesus was saying, you've kind of missed the point. The reason you're seeking me is because you think I can give you something to help you today in today's life but the reality is you missed the sign that was behind the miracle. The sign is that I have come to give life, eternal life, something that is much better than the bread and the fish that I gave you on the other side of the lake. He said, I'm come to give you something different. In verse 27, he says, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. And that's going to be the first Uh, thing that if you're taking notes, this is the first point I'd like to focus on is Jesus's instruction to work for the food that endures to eternal life. Work for the food that endures to eternal life. That is essentially an invite to come to Jesus, not so that you can have something for today, not so that Jesus can make your life better today or to make you prosperous today or that, that Jesus' ways seem like kind of a practical self-help guide to living a better life than, than what we've been living. All right, come to Jesus not for that. Instead, come to Jesus for something much better than that. Come to Jesus because he's the source of eternal life. That's what Jesus is essentially telling the people to do. Come to him because he's the source of eternal life. He is the eternal father, the father of eternity, the one who has the power to give you eternal Life. So it's an invite to work for that kind of food, not just this temporary food that we see. But then the next thing that I see in this is an invite to come to Jesus uh, and believe in Jesus. Not just to come to him and expect him to do something good, but to believe in him uh, and the work that he's accomplished. Let's see what happens after that in verse 28. In verse 28, it says, therefore, they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? So obviously, they, Jesus said, I want you to do this work. Work for an eternal food, not a physical food. So I said, okay, so what kind of work? And that's, that's a perfectly natural question. That's the question that we always ask. So, so then we, we would have the tendency to say, okay, God, what instructions would you have for me so that I might earn or have this eternal life? So that leads us to the law. And so we we start saying, give me a list of rules. Give me a list of instructions. Give me a list of commands, a to-do list. I will do those things because clearly I want eternal life. That's clearly better than just a good physical life. So yeah, we've established that we want eternal life. And yes, we've established that Jesus is the source of eternal life and that we need to come to him for that eternal life. And Jesus then responds to that by saying, you don't need to do a... Uh, You don't need a checklist. In verse 29, he says, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work that Jesus is instructing them to have is to turn to him and to believe in him. That's the work. That's the work that will achieve eternal life for you, to believe in Jesus Christ. It's the simple gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved so if you're at all wrestling in your hearts with your eternal um, salvation and whether or not you are right with God, whether or not you can be confident that your life has been given to you by God, then this is where you need to start to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the source of eternal life and come to him and believe in his work. So then the next question is, what work did Jesus Christ do to bring us eternal life? Verse 30, it says, so they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. So their next question was, can you give us a sign something that will prove to us that we can trust you and believe in you. And honestly, when I read that, I thought, well, good grief. They just saw him feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And some of these people might have even seen him walking on water, right? So so he's, you know, they've already seen this sign. But really what it sounded like to me was, hey, why don't you uh, show us again by giving us some more food, by you know, making some more food for us to eat and giving us another awesome meal like we had on the hillside the other day. You know, it sounds like they were kind of saying, and they brought, they even brought up an Old Testament story. And they said, you remember how our fathers were in the wilderness and they were hungry and God gave them manna out of heaven. And since God is the one who's giving them manna and you're claiming to be the source of eternal life, then you must be God. Then why don't you prove that to us by giving us manna from heaven, which is essentially what they were asking for. And then Jesus responded by saying, it's not Moses who gave you the bread out of heaven. Meaning that Moses didn't give all these people the bread that came down from heaven. It was God himself. And the reality is God is giving you bread from heaven, but it's not a physical bread. That bread, that manna that was given to them in the desert, was a symbol of the eternal manna that God was going to give in Jesus Christ. Now you remember the story that when the Egyptians had enslaved the Israelites, and then Moses came and set the people free, right? And they came to our God through Moses, set the people free, and they went out into the desert and came up against the Red Sea, and then God parted the Red Sea, and they crossed on dry ground and came across the other side. God caused the Red Sea to come down and crush the Egyptian army, and then they're out in the desert wandering, and then they got hungry, and then they were starving, and they started to grumble, and they started to complain, and they started to say, we would have been better off back in slavery, you know, living in Egypt. But Moses interceded on behalf of the people because God was angered by the fact that they were so quickly losing sight of God who had just saved them. And now they were grumbling against God and Moses prayed that God would not kill them. And so God provided food for them and and he sent Manna from heaven and quail. He, he sent birds, these quail that would fly over and just fall down. And then they picked up the birds and, and ate the birds. And then, he, and then in the morning, uh, with the dew that was on the ground, there was manna, this bread that appeared on the ground every morning. So every day, God gave them just enough to survive. And it was a picture that God provides what you need today. And he told them, don't save it for the next day. Make sure that you don't, if you save it for the next day, it's going to be ruined the next day. So just eat, just get what you need today, and trust me to provide for the next day. And so he did that every day in the desert. He gave them bread, and then he gave them quail to eat, and he gave them water from the rock. When, Moses, when he, God led Moses to the rock, you remember these stories? Water from the rock, bread from heaven. And that's the story that people are bringing up, saying this is what God's done, and Jesus said, yes, You're right, God did do those things, and God is now doing that for you today in me. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And this is what he says in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe And all that the Father gives to me will come to me. So this is an instruction where Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the source of life for you. If you will believe in me, if you will come to me, and if you will believe in me, then I will provide for you every single day what you need in order to have eternal life. And we think sometimes that we have to do all these things in order to make sure that we have earned and obtained our eternal life. That we, have, that we are in right standing with God so that on the day when we are, um, when God allows us to be taken out of this world where we die of this physical life that we've been given. Or the day when Jesus comes back and b- brings us to him on that day of judgment when we meet Jesus and we meet God face to face and we think now I wonder if I'm going to be in a right position with God. I wonder if he's going to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. I wonder if I am in a position where God is pleased with me. And Jesus says, come to me, believe in me, and I will give you every day everything you need so that on that day, that eternal life will be secured, will be um, will be provided. It is an it is an eternal provision of food and forgiveness and life and hope and uh, righteousness that we could never attain on our own. That's the spiritual food that we need from God, and Jesus says. I provide those things for you. So how did he do that? He came, he lived, he was born in a manger and he lived this life and he endured the temptation that we endure. And he performed the signs and wonders to proclaim to the world that he is God. And he proclaimed with his mouth, the word of God and the coming of the kingdom of God and salvation. And, and he died on the cross so that he could take my sins to that cross with them and kill them, to kill me, to kill my sinful life, to bring me to the cross with him so that his broken body could be my life-sustaining bread. And then his blood was shed so that he could atone for my sins and pay the price for my sins so that when I believe in him, then by faith and in the spirit, I am partaking of his bread, partaking of his uh, water. I am partaking of his body. I'm partaking of his blood spiritually. I'm taking them into myself by believing in him and I am being saved. And so this is what Jesus does. This is what he has done on the cross for us. So he has called us to come to Jesus, work for the food that endures for eternal life and come to Jesus and believe in him, believe in what he has done and believe in what he is done. Verse, um, 41 through 51 we see a little bit more of a picture of that he says therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said I am the bread that <clears throat> came down out of heaven they were saying is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how does he not say how does he now say I have come down out of heaven Jesus answered and said to them do not grumble among yourselves." No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. This is a hope that God has given to us, that he has provided our daily food. Now, the last thing that I'd like to focus on um, in this section is the, the little small phrase in verse 35, where he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now I don't know if you've noticed in here, but um, there's a lot of references to eternity and to things, words like "never," meaning that not ever, not any, not any short amount of time, but never. So he said. Uh, We will never thirst. So the first thing he tells us is to work for the food that endures for eternal life, and then to come to Jesus and believe in Jesus, and then to never thirst. Or that is a result ultimately that comes out of that, that we will never thirst. Now, what does it mean? That to me that is an eternal assurance. Jesus is speaking of eternity, and who has the ability to tell us what can be eternally believed the only person who can tell us what can be eternally believed is the one who holds eternity in his hands he has the power and the ability to tell us the beginning from the ending he has the ability to tell you and me what will actually come for you and me he's prophesying into our lives individually about our future you want to know the future jesus is telling us our future Now, he may not tell us whether or not we're going to make a million dollars. He may not tell us whether or not we're going to die early or live a long life. He may not tell us whether we're going to have all the hopes and dreams that we want to have in this physical life. But he will tell us that, excuse me, I'm sorry. He will tell us that our eternal life is completely secured and that we will never thirst again. Meaning, that's not a reference to that. That hunger and thirst that the Israelites were experiencing in the desert when they got hungry, and God gave them this manna. Manna means what is it? It's not, it's kind of some kind of bread. We don't really know what kind of bread it was, but it's some kind of substance that they bread like substance that they got to eat. Um, but that fed them, and then the the water that came from the rock, it it satisfied their physical needs, but that never thirst is not really about our physical needs of today. Now, I do believe God cares about our physical needs of today. That's why Jesus led the disciples to pray in this way. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. I think that part of the prayer was about our physical needs. It's okay to come to Jesus and ask him to provide food for today. God, I have paid the bills, I got nothing left, and we got a week left, it's not before the end of the month, I don't know where we're gonna get food. Please provide. And I think that's a good prayer to pray. When we are struggling to clothe ourselves, put food on the table, pay for the bills, pay for school, pay for whatever, ask the lord to provide that's a good thing but this here is speaking about something way beyond today it's speaking about the eternal the eternal hunger and the eternal thirst our eternal Hunger for being right with God, our eternal thirst for righteousness, thirst for eternal life, thirst to be made right with the God who created us and to be able to walk in unity with him, to be able to walk in a right relationship with our creator, to be able to live in a joyful, hopeful um, life filled with God's goodness. It's a spiritual hunger. And God says, I'm going to satisfy that for you now and for all of eternity. It's a satisfaction that we don't just have to look forward to on the day we die, but it's something that he gives us now. I believe that Jesus has secured for us an eternal life that has already begun. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, your eternal life has already begun. We are already living our eternal lives. So we have been born again and the life that we have been born into will live forever and we will never die. So a couple of things to see in that, like what that actually looks like to never thirst. He points out a few blessings that come with that never thirsting idea in verse 37. He says, all that the father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. It's the assurance that we will never be cast out by our Father. That's what it means to, to never thirst. It means that we are, we are resting in the fact that we are right with the Father, and he's promised to never cast us out. Those whom he, Jesus came to save will not be cast out by the Father. And we can rest in that We can rest in that. We no longer have to hunger for being right with our Father. And then notice that it also means that we'll never be lost and hopeless in life again. In verse 39, he says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that of all that he has given to me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Meaning that All that God gave to Jesus to save, he will not lose. Meaning that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we believe in him and the salvation that he's given to us, if we are saved, then that we are a sheep that will never be lost. God will not allow us to be lost. And he will not let us go so far away from him that we lose all this that Jesus has bought for us because it's in his hands, not ours. So we have this assurance that we don't have to hunger to be right with the father anymore because we are right with the father. We don't have to worry or fear that we will be lost and we don't have to live in hopelessness anymore because what does he say? On the last day, he will raise us up. That's a promise. That's a promise, we will be raised up on the last day. So we have, we have a hope, and we no longer have to have this thirst or this hunger, so to speak, in the sense that we are lost and hopelessness, hopeless in life. He takes that away. He removes that as a factor from our Christian lives. Christians do not have to live lost and hopeless lives. That's been—and the need— that existed has been satisfied to to the extent that we are filled, we are full, we are full of hope, we are full of joy, we are full of assurance. And then it's also to be assured of or to be filled with um, eternal life now and forever. Look at verse 40, he says, for this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life I myself will raise him up on the last day. And then also look at verse 58. Verse 58, as he kind of finishes this whole story with his disciples, he says, this is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. So all of the our Israelite fathers who ate the bread of God that God gave them every day, they eventually still died. But he says the bread that Jesus gives, when we partake of his bread, we live forever. Now that's speaking of a spiritual life. Scripture still says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment, which means that we still all have and look forward to a physical death. Uh, but we don't have to fear it. Because if we have partaken of the body and the blood of Jesus, if we believe in him by faith, then we look forward to an eternal life. And then one day Jesus will raise our dead bodies up on the last day and make them new again and give us new bodies. This is the full picture of the hope of salvation that Jesus has given to us. So I thought this was a really good picture of what it looks like for Jesus to be the eternal Father, the Father of eternity, the one who holds all of eternity in His hands. It's an assurance for me and you. It's a, it's a reminder. It should be a comfort like him being our wonderful counselor who walks with us on a daily basis and counsels us in our heart through his word, like him being our God, who is the Lord of our life, who commands us and gives us instructions and leads us to be right with the father. it's also a comfort to know that he holds our life beginning to end in his hand. He has ordained the number of our days from before the foundation of the world. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows the number of heartbeats that we will have from beginning to the end. He knows the number of breaths that we will take in this earth. So no matter what our doctors tell us about our bodies and how long they think we might have to live on this earth, God is the one who holds it all in his hand. And No matter what the world tells us about whether we should despair in the hopelessness of all the tragedies and things that are going on in this world, Jesus has has secured for us a hope that our eternal life has been purchased and given to us by God and his mercy and his grace. Jesus has given us eternal life. I'd like to close by reading This picture from Revelation, chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. A picture of Jesus, kind of a glorious picture of Jesus, but it's also a picture of, it comes with an instruction that in light of the fact that our Savior, Jesus the Nazarene, baby Jesus, who is God with us, and our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our eternal Father, and our Prince of Peace. He holds all of eternity in his hands, beginning to end. This is the end. We get a little glimpse of that. In verse 12, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man. So that's Jesus clothed in a robe reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash and his head and his hair were white like wool, like snow and his eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His right hand held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. That's, a, that's a, an analogy, a reference to the word of God. It's a sharp two-edged sword coming from his mouth. And his face was like the sun, shining in strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So this is a picture of Jesus saying, I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the first, I am the last, I am alive forevermore. I was dead, but now I'm alive and forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and Hades, meaning He He is the one who determines and who, who determines who goes from who goes to hell or not. He's the one who holds death in his hands and we don't have to fear it. And he says, this is his instruction to us who are his. Do not be afraid. Death does not have power. Death does not have the ability to control your life because that is in the hands of Jesus. Jesus is in control of death and Jesus has secured for us eternal life. This is the assurance that Jesus has given to you and I in his eternal power. So let's praise the Lord for that this morning. I invite you to reflect on these things as we conclude today. Um, Pray that the Lord will help us to continue uh, coming to him and walking with him on a daily basis, believing in him and trusting in the work that he's done to accomplish our salvation. And pray that the Lord will help us to trust that we will never be cast out by the Father, to trust that we will, uh, and, and pray that the Lord will help us to never fall prey to hopelessness again. That he'll, that, you know, and we tend to fall prey to that in our flesh and with the difficulties of this world. Pray that God will help us to not fall prey to hopelessness or even a sense that, that we're not right with the Father. Pray that God will help us with that, And then pray that we will be filled with this joy because of the eternal life that Jesus has secured for us. That we will be comforted and assured by what Jesus has forever given to us. Pray that God will fill our hearts with that. And if you're at all wrestling with salvation or you realize right now that you are not right with the Father. That you have not... Tasted of the eternal bread of life. Now you believe in God, and you maybe even believe in some of the things that God says in His Word, and maybe uh you believe and you're you're beginning to believe that Jesus is God and has come to us to bring salvation. I would encourage you to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to make you right with the Father. And to give you this eternal life that he promises to all who believe. I encourage you to cry out to Jesus for salvation. Scripture says you will be saved. So let's pray through those things together as we are encouraged by who Jesus is as our eternal father. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.